Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Outkick 360 across the Outkick network. Uh, and hey, shout out to YouTube and everyone watching there and joining us in the chat. Outkick 360 is where you can find us. And by subscribing on YouTube, you're automatically entered to win a great prize from Sony and Hertz Odyssey, a car stereo system. You can join in on that. You just hit subscribe and then you hit the alert button and you're automatically entered to win. We're gonna have this drawing at the end of the summer. If you're already subscribed, you're already entered to win this great prize. Again, we'll be drawing at the end of the summer. August 31st is when we'll do that, going into football season. Uh, subscribe and ring that bell. You're alerted automatically to all of Outkick 360's content, and you're automatically entered to win the great prize. Tennessee Power Hour is here. Crew is all here. David Reed and Jakob Swanson making the show happen. Lance Lee back later this week. He is on assignment. Regan McCrossin is our great production assistant today. Chad, you wonder what this, this NCAA Supreme Court ruling could mean for your Tennessee Volunteers when the hammer comes down on the punishment uh, that is expected at some point, we don't know when, expected to conclude with at least a bowl ban, maybe more than that. Well, I mean, if if I'm Tennessee, I would I would just be going to the NCAA and say, what, what are we what are we doing here? Yeah, we're we're legislating an outdated legal system. Your judiciary is no longer intact with everything going on in college sports. Can we just give ourselves a one year bowl ban this year, and then reduce a few scholarships and be done with it? I don't know. I don't know why Tennessee feels the need to be this thorough in their investigation right now. Hand over what you have. They already have it. They've been in on the investigation. And be done with it. So you don't continue to see stories like this cornerback who just signed with Tennessee basically getting to campus and leaving, decommitting and going to Auburn because Auburn did a good job of convincing him it's going to be a three-year bowl ban. <laughs> which, which, Go ahead and end that speculation yeah. from other teams and say it's not going to be a three-year bowl ban. That that would be ridiculous. Well, even if based it, on what's happened, if that so was, just in the speculation. If that was the punishment, though, it should already be out there. It should not take this long. That's my point. Stop the investigation. You've investigated long enough. It's part of your punishment. There's no one else to talk they to. They were interviewing parties back in February. And it's also uh, assistant coaches that are no longer with the it's program. It's like it's part of They're the punishment. They're interviewing them in February. This cloud is part of the punishment. Well, yeah, but what I mean, there's no cloud with LSU. They right. continue to get five-star players. Let's punish Tennessee for calling us and telling us what happened if you're the NCAA. I mean, I just – be done with it. This is, this is what should happen. They should announce that the investigation is over this week. They should, because the NCAA is there, come together with the NCAA and say, here is the punishment. One-year bowl ban, loss of five scholarships, whatever it is. What Lay it all out there and say, we're going to make this announcement this week. And we're going to go into this season with all of our players knowing the deal and then all of our recruits knowing they can play for bowl games or playoff spots or whatever it is that they're going to sell to recruits they're going to be playing for. Just get it over with. Get it over with one way or the other. 
Here's something else we can get over with, too. And I'm, I'm going to go on a different tangent here. The Vandy Whistlers. Stop defending these oh. guys, Vandy fans. It is okay to not defend every aspect of your fan base or your program. I will be the first to say there are plenty of dumb, redneck Tennessee fans. I'm not going to defend all of them. Stop with the defense. The blanket unilateral defense of the Whistlers is so annoying, and it makes smart Vandy people look dumb. Stop defending it. It's, it's annoying. They are doing it to be a nuisance. And the people who come back and say, well, they're doing it for the kids. The ki- the I kids. don't care. There are, for the first time, a lot of fans tuned in to watch Vandy for the first time all year, Saturday night. And what are they left talking about? Not a great game. Two dudes whistling over the broadcast, asking questions. What's going on with the whistling? What's happening? Be done with it. At this point, it, it falls on Tim Corbin. Tim Corbin could put an end to this and chooses not to. Yeah, it's true. It's uh, it's unfortunate and uh, it's incredibly annoying. ESPN has tried to put an end to this and they couldn't do it. They were back well, in. They they checked their tickets years ago. Five was it five or six years ago? Found out they weren't sitting in the right seat, so they used that as the excuse to put them out of the stadium. Um, the NCAA, I mean, the College World Series tried to find a way to get them out of the stadium. Um, Corbin to his credit, is loyal to his fan base. Like, I get it. But it's not like every single fan, uh, and I, I'm friends with some Vanderbilt baseball fans, they can't stand these whistlers. It ruins the experience for them. It'd be like Paul at a Little League game. It would ruin the experience for me <laughs> if I'm sitting there. Um, it, it's, it's time to end it and put it into it as a program. Ship is sailed. It is over and done with. And unfortunately, the program condones it. And, uh, and that, I'm, I'm tired of even arguing about it with fans, with viewers, with those who say, oh, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't make a difference whether or not they're whistling or not for the viewer experience. Yes, it does. And I, I'm tired of having to argue this on the show year after year after year. I'm done with it. I'm done talking about them, referencing it. You guys are more than welcome to. But until Corbin puts an end to it, it will continue. So, Tim Corbin, please, end this for all of our sanity. They the can't Whistlers reverse need course. to go. They can't reverse course on it. It, it. It's one of those things like you've dug in on it up to a certain point. Now if you reverse course, you open a whole new, like, why did you stick with it? I, I'm not saying it's right, but that's why they won't ever change course on it. They've they've invested in this. It's part of who they are. They can't get out. They haven't, invest, they, they haven't invested in it. They've just not told them to stop. Right. They but, just haven't but crushed it. But by not it. telling them to stop, I don't see it's a lot of marketing dollars being no, spent around the fabric. Whistlers. It's part of their fabric. But here's what I hate about part of their fabric. You took something, I feel like Petey Bell in Blue Chips, when he goes to Tony, who took money. Nobody knows And that. he was point shaving the whole time. And, and he told Tony, Tony, you took the one thing in your life, the one good thing, and you corrupted it. You corrupted the one, basketball was your one salvation. It was your one good thing, and you corrupted it. To these two Vandy fans, you are taking a great thing. This is an amazing thing. You have the best at something. You have the best college baseball coach. You have the best college baseball program. And you've taken it, and you've allowed two people to corrupt it. You're just doing it for the boys. And I don't know why, because go on Twitter. Go online. What are people talking about the Vandy-Arizona game? Again, what is that whistling sound in the background? Can they not stop the whistlers? This is annoying. I wish I could enjoy this game more. 
That's what people are talking about. You're corrupting the one great thing with sports at your university. That baseball program should be celebrated. I celebrate Tim Corbin. The program's great. The whistling's got to stop. First off, you're insulting the bowling team. Second off, you don't understand the Vandy boys mentality and our fabric. You're, you're dismissed from the conversation. Corbin sounds like that? That's not, I'm not Corbin. I'm, I'm the people who defend in the Whistlers. I, I, That's honestly, Tim Corbin. I, I've seen a lot Other of people, people on Twitter. Tim that, Corbin defends the Whistlers. Yeah, I've seen not, a lot of people he's on, not the only one, Hut. I've seen a lot of people on Twitter that well, don't not, They're not like all that, rednecks who defend the Whistler. Yeah. Are you a redneck? The uh, Whistlers are rednecks. Little league game. The whi- Whistlers are rednecks. Yeah, I, I've seen I them. guess th- they are. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I've seen them, but I, I mean, it's not like we hear from them. The guy's name's... He calls himself Preacher. I think that's his name. I think it's his actual God-given name, Preacher. My, my point is they're two die-hard fans that they're defending as a program instead of trying to make the experience great for the casual fan or the casual viewer that's just tuning in. And so there is a line drawn in the sand, and Corbin and the Vandy boys, they're on one side of it. They're all for it. And the casual fans, or in some cases, other fans that are there on a, on a nightly basis, a daily basis, a weekend basis, who I'm friends with, they, they grin and bear it because they've had enough of it and they're just tired of talking about it. And I'm one of them. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I, sorry, I was getting worked up because of uh, Twitter over the weekend. I didn't want to make it a huge talking point, but I, I do, uh, I, I just... You've got something that you're trying to sell to the masses. You want the sport to be bigger. You want shows like ours to spend more time talking about actual college baseball. You've got the best program in college baseball in the city that we host this show in, in the state of Tennessee, and repeatedly on national television when they get a shot to be there on the College World Series, Super Regional, whatever, most people are left talking about two dudes whistling from the crowd, and that's not what you want. Sam Coleman on the YouTube page says, Coach Corbin allows the Vandy whistlers because they use their whistles to communicate to the players like that kid in Baseball Genius. <laughs> Maybe they're tipping uh, they the pitches the with grip. that. Yeah, tipping grips. It's pretty funny. Whistling a lot in between innings as well. Yeah. <laughs> that's to throw everybody off. Can you imagine being close to them? Oh. In the park, <laughs> I would last two seconds if I got seats in front of them. I mean, imagine like being an Arizona fan that knows nothing about Vandy baseball, and you're just like, "Hey, I'm going to fly out from Tucson and go to the College World I Series." I got some pretty good seats, there. and they're right there in front of them in that section. Oh, you don't even have to thinking, be in what front is of going them. on? Well, I mean, but imagine being directly in front of that into your ear. Oh, God, it's a nightmare. Yeah, and it's uh, it's an annual case. Is that a yeah, every spring and summer. They should ESPN. I'm not encouraging that. The College World Series isn't worthy of alternate broadcasts. Vandy games are. I mean, if they if they wanted to stand, they could do it. That ballpark could make a rule on it that they could they could write in whatever they want. If you can ban uh, try to ban cowbells from Mississippi State sporting events or artificial noisemakers, you could just rewrite the rules if you're TD Ameritrade Park and say there's no choreographed whistling uh, that's repeated or no repeated sounds made over and over. I mean, you could do a lot of different things to get creative if they wanted to. It's not going to happen at this point, but they could. It's just, it does ruin it for people. I'm, I mean, I, I, didn't, I, I don't watch enough Vandy baseball for it to irritate me as much as it, as it is right now. Well, um, But when I do watch and tune in, I'm thinking, how, how do you – how do you do this on a nightly basis? 
around them. I, I don't. I don't get it. Something else that can ruin the sport and the enjoyment of it at times, and this is for all teams. The umpiring is horrendous. I, I don't think I've ever seen where, where the umpiring gets worse. I've I've seen little league games umpired better than college World Series games, and this has to be the top crews in college baseball that are calling these games. The strike zone, and I didn't watch all of either game, but watching bits and pieces of Andy, Arizona, watching bits and pieces of Tennessee, uh, Virginia, the strike zones are terribly inconsistent. And it's not, people are saying, well, you know, if they're going to call a ball that's four inches outside a strike, you've got to adjust. It's on the batter to adjust. They're calling it differently. One curveball that's way outside, and they even show the strike zone thing, is a strike, and the next one that's closer to the plate is a ball. There, there's no rhyme or reason to it. The strike zones are horrible in these games. I also don't need to hear the umpire. He does not need to be mic'd up. Whatever they do on ESPN with the microphones, where I can hear or ball one, you can hear it plain as day on there. I don't need to hear that in a game. Are they are are the announcers at least calling them for calling them out for these terrible strikes? No, no, they're so, defending the sport. They're not. So they treat this out. like Williamsport. Yeah, they they treat it like you know we're selling the sport of college baseball. I didn't hear a lot of uh, criticism of the umpire strike zone. They'll say. Oh, he's upset with that call. They'll talk about a player that's <laughs> giving a look to the, the guy, but yeah. hey, you know, you got to adjust when you're. Well, what if I can't reach the ball? <laughs> I mean, if you're calling a strike that's so far outside, I Is can't, that true? I can't physically reach the It was the, that my far bat. outside for a Some of them were that bad. There were a few that were that bad. And I mentioned it in the. Uh, it's a universal complaint about college baseball. Yeah, in the ECU Vandy series, I saw two pitches by ECU that were, it could not have been more perfect, right down the middle that were called balls. And the pitcher just at one point stood there and just stared at the umpire for a good 15 seconds after the play. Just, <laughs> are we seriously doing this? I mean, back to back, right down the middle and called them balls. It's weird. So Vandy plays tonight against NC State, and we will see Tennessee play tomorrow. Who will they draw? Texas. Texas lost to Mississippi State, so you get the loser's bracket. Tennessee and Texas. Orange and orange. Knockout. Yeah. Of the two, uh, they, uh, Virginia with the orange uniforms in the game. Yeah. The orange and then uh, Tennessee, Texas, the orange. Tennessee was uh, not good. Again, I have not watched them much this year, but uh, the, for a team that you just look at the stats, are very good offensively. They, were, uh, they looked like a team that w- was in awe of playing at the College World Series. They were not themselves. Well, what, to me, what they looked like, they looked like LSU last weekend. And Virginia looked like Tennessee. I mean, even the catcher who didn't even have a home run on the season hit a homer off of Tennessee. Yeah, and that was a horrible pitch. Hung a breaking ball that was that was crushed. I don't understand. But that. I mean, just uncharacter. You know, this Tony Vitello teams have an edge to them, a swagger. Tennessee looked uh, muted compared to their normal personality. They should go even more of what their personality is and have fun and have some swagger when they get on the big stage. It felt like they were trying to be more mellow in the setting and trying to be more calm and it led to just really bad hitting in clutch moments you know they had guys on second and third first in they had first and third no outs and didn't score a run that repeatedly happened over the course of the game i know that ballpark's not that new anymore but i don't understand how you build it with that much foul territory between the the dugouts and the foul lines it's not a very modern ballpark construction and i'm irritated by that along with the vandy whistler Ricky in West End uh, tweets in, you can follow us, at Outkick360, and says, ESPN can move the mics, and the ballpark could make a no excessive whistling or disturbance rule. It's simple. 
Corbin doesn't have to address it or tell them to stop. Just throw them out. Five fans for Vandy would care. The rest would just go on enjoying the game. Corbin has had opportunities to denounce this and chooses not to. I, I mean, I think they've said if Corbin told them to stop, they'd stop. And he says he, he appreciates oh. their passion and fandom. Um, I was watching NASCAR over the weekend back in Nashville, tuning into the U.S. Open as well. Uh, we'll get thoughts on that. Plus, Julio Jones and the Titans scheme. The Titans have had a future Hall of Famer on the roster before, and the scheme didn't allow them to throw the pass to Randy Moss or even get them on the field uh, with Kenny Britt at the same time. And while I'm not trying to compare uh, what we saw from Chris Palmer and that offensive system to what we will see this upcoming year with Julio Jones, there is uh, some, some comments made that make me think that they're going to lean on scheme more than the actual future Pro Football Hall of Famer on their roster and force feed him a bit. We'll get thoughts on that coming up this hour as well. Tennessee Power Hour, Outkick 360 rolls on. Hang with us. Kick 360 across the Outkick Network. Glad you're with us. Crew all here today. Todd Downing and, and asked about the addition of Julio Jones. Um, and Paul, you may have been the one to ask this question. I'm not sure. He was asked about the player trumping the scheme of the Titans offense. And basically he said that the scheme will work itself out for the player. And and just reading through the transcript of the, the press availability last week, I'm thinking, not in this case. In this case, I'm making sure that my scheme fits Julio Jones, Derrick Henry, and A.J. Brown, and then distributes to everyone else. Yeah, I mean, I, I picked apart what he said, and I use this, too, as an example of the, the limitations of this, the Zoom interview. You know, I had already asked a question. Yeah, no, this is a good point. I had yeah, already asked a question. Other people had... Uh, no land, they, land they wanted to mine, um, and, and so we didn't get there. I don't know exactly what the question was, but he said there are certain things you get excited about and maybe some things he can do that he's shown over his career, but we don't change our foundation or our scheme just for the addition of a player. I'm excited that he has a history and a scheme like this down in Atlanta, and I think that it's going to help him in transition a little bit, and it's going to make us easier for us to highlight some of it. They may not have to change much for Julio Jones, but they certainly should be willing to change much for Julio Jones. And consistently in history, coaches talking about not changing scheme for players goes badly. What yeah. was Arthur Smith great at? He accommodated everybody's strengths. They ran the right routes for Corey Davis. They threw the right passes to A.J. Brown. And so to say we're not going to adjust things for one guy, maybe they don't have to. Maybe he fits perfectly in. But just off the top of my head, Julio Jones's route tree is everything. And Corey Davis's route tree really was better on slants and digs. Yeah, so right away, your, your other receiver opposite A.J. Brown could do a lot more. So why wouldn't you open that up and, instead of saying we're not going away from our foundation? Now, what I think he's saying is, we're a run-based play-action team, and we're going to continue to be a run-based play-action team. But he didn't articulate that very well. The follow-up room wasn't there for that. But I would never say anything regarding Julio Jones that indicates we're scheme-based. 
He, because being scheme-based screws coaches over and over and over again when they aren't player-based. And Mike Vrabel preaches that all the time. It's about the players. It's not about the scheme, right? Ultimately, it comes down to the players executing sure. and doing things, not about what we draw up for them. And this can be the foundation is, is Derrick Henry, and that's what he's, he's referring to, and that, that's fine, too. But, and I, I misspoke earlier, I said it was uh, Chris Palmer. Chris Palmer was a bad offensive coordinator here. It was Mike Heimerdinger. A much better offensive coordinator. Who somehow could not figure out, whenever they acquired Randy Moss on waivers, how to get Randy Moss and Kenny Britt on the field together because it didn't fit schematically what they were doing. So Britt Again, was... Britt was dumb, I'm dumbfounded by Britt it. Britt was hurt. They got Moss. They used Moss a little bit. Then when Britt was healthy, they couldn't get Moss on the field because Britt and Moss played the same position. You yeah. can't get those two guys to play two different positions? And Give that, me a break. That won't be the case here. Um, but Todd Downing is an interesting case study of a, of a guy who's getting a second opportunity at calling plays because in 2017, he had a banged-up quarterback in Derek Carr. But in looking, I can pull the numbers and we can build some graphics for tomorrow's show. He threw a lot more than what Arthur Smith did in, as a play caller. And it's not just because the Raiders are playing from behind either. He threw with the lead quite a bit compared to what the Titans do. And while they didn't have Derrick Henry in the backfield, uh, they also didn't play conservative because they had a banged-up quarterback either in Oakland. And, they, had and comparing, com, you know, they had Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper had like 15 drops in 2017. He was really bad. He had mentally checked out. They threw out of the backfield a lot more than what the Titans do on checkdowns and screens out of the backfield. So Darrington Evans comes into play for me with, with what they're doing offensively now with Todd Downing. But he now has more weapons than he did in Oakland. He has a quarterback that can distribute the football then that's healthy and is playing at a very high level compared to what he had in Oakland, where Derek Carr is coming off of the, of the fractured fibula. Same injury as, uh, as Marcus Mariota in 2016. In 2017, fractured a vertebrae in his back and played through it. Uh, that was Derek Carr's two years there, and one of those seasons was with Todd Downing as the play caller. Uh, different here, and he actually has a run game here, so is he going to rely more on the run and stick with the foundation or add layers to what they're doing? I think the layers can be throwing out of the backfield, but also implementing Julio Jones more. And to me, the answer isn't, okay, we're going to have him fit our foundation and our scheme. I'm going to make sure. Open up that we're opening up the playbook for him. And force-feeding is the wrong word, but I'm, I'm looking number two's direction quite a bit. Well, devil, devil's too. advocate here uh, on this. Julio Jones is one of the few additions for the Titans that I could argue their offense wasn't broke a year ago, and this is a much better version of Corey Davis. So you don't have to adjust the scheme at all. You plug him into Corey Davis's role, and he's going to be even better in that role. Now, do you change up the routes he's going to run? because he's better than Corey Davis at, let's say, beating his guy down the field and catching the deep passes. Yeah, you do that, but this is one where I'm, I agree with you, Paul. It's not – you don't want to say you're scheme-based. Players trump scheme. But Julio Jones is such a good player. The Titans' scheme worked so well. Yeah. You can plug and play him into this scheme, and what you have is a better version of Corey Davis. Yeah, but I, I think what Hutt's getting at and where I'll go with him is – expand that that role, right? So as I was saying, Corey Davis was really good on slants and digs, and he was limited on other stuff. So they made him excel at what he was good at. Well, Julio Jones gives this chance a team to be better on the perimeter where it hasn't been great. 
Um, and now you've got a perimeter threat, a guy better on some go stuff. Um, that they haven't really done that great at. Mm -hmm. And those yards per attempt from Ryan Tannehill, they certainly have taken their shots, but a lot of that yards per attempt has also been yak. And it doesn't matter. Look, we're not going to nag that the, when he's got a great yards per attempt number that it's not coming satisfactory. Like, hey, we need more of those yards through the air and less on the ground after the catch. You take those yards any way you can yes. get them. But they can get a better mix of that now, conceivably, if Julio Jones is going downfield and winning in the air. Josh Reynolds has a knack for creating space uh, downfield without the speed. So they've got a little bit more variety, conceivably, out of the wide receiver position than they did last year when they didn't have a true third because Humphrey was hurt all the time, mm -hmm. Adam Humphreys, um, and they were mixing things up with that third and fourth spot. And uh, so this adds more variety. I would just, like you, I'm worried. Uh, I'd like to talk to him more about that scheme thing. Yeah, Don't be overly married to the scheme. Be married to the guys in the scheme. And I'm, I'm, I'm trying not to be overly critical of one quote in yeah. a setting where the press is not allowed to ask a follow-up question. Right. There needs to be more of a conversation with this. And I didn't really catch that but, at the moment. I caught that more after the fact. But the, the, and look, I'm, I'm watching it and, and reading it after the fact instead of in the moment because it's happening during the show. But I'm, I'm, I'm thinking to myself as I read this, you know, that in this case, the players are trumping the scheme. Like I'm making sure the best players in the league are getting their hands and their touches they on the football. They dictate the scheme. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. They're dictating what we're doing. And... Downing is going to call a game differently than what we saw from Arthur Smith. I mean, that's just that's obvious. And the question now is, what types of layers can he put on the offense and the scheme from last year that benefit this team and add them, allow them to grow and add to the foundation that's already there? And this isn't all addition. You know, there's a big addition with Julio Jones. There's also some subtraction with Johnu Smith and tight right, end, right. which we've talked a lot around. But there's some, some stuff they can no longer do. That was, quite frankly, a big piece of their foundation. When a big piece of what they did in Oakland was 11 personnel. They ran a lot of 11 personnel in Oakland. They threw out of the backfield a lot to their backs, to Richard and, and others. out of the, uh, DeAndre Washington's another one that they threw to. Uh, guys in the mold of Darrington Evans. So I mean, th that's one layer where the Titans have not been good. They, they can be a lot better. Um, you know, and, and on top of that, can Ferkser be a role player instead of a, a much needed dual threat player at the tight end spot? And can they still build their offense around the fact that they don't have John New in there? Yeah, and they drafted Darrington Evans largely to be a different ingredient than what they had. We were all optimistic about that ingredient last year, and then he only played, what, six games? Yeah, hamstrings. And we really only saw you know, one or two plays that showed that ingredient. That's a nice new ingredient that also isn't part of, of uh, the foundation of what this team has been the last couple of years. It's something last year they were trying to layer on top of the foundation, and maybe this year they can layer on top of the foundation, and that's a player that takes them away from the scheme. So, are you changing it for one guy? Well, technically, you know, I mean, this is no Julio Jones. This is a third-round draft. <laughs> yeah. Pick. But does he change what you can be schematically? If he is what, what they think he is, yeah, he does. Coming up, Nashville dropping the green flag on NASCAR again this weekend. Uh, it was a success Friday, Saturday, Sunday, at least to the point where they were able to drop the flag for real after delaying it due to traffic. We get, we get details on that. 
and we'll have Reed weigh in on his thoughts on the weekend as well. What was a sellout crowd yesterday uh, just outside of Nashville at the Nashville Super Speedway. All of that and more coming up. The Tennessee Power Hour rolls on on Outkick 360. Hang with us. Time to make it rain. It is the 360 parlay for this Monday edition. Go ahead, Chad. Make We're it, making rain. it rain. We're making it rain. We're making it rain. Here we go. Chad with, with a three-team money line parlay for tonight. Yeah, so Paul won one of the parlay, breaking the losing streak. Lost on Friday. I've got the winner for tonight. Here we go. Very simple. We're going to three different sports. We're going to soccer. We're going to hockey. And we are going to Major League Baseball. And we will start with... Whenever Jacob gets that up there, I can tell you that it is going to be Belgium that we're taking on the money line. Uh, in the NHL playoffs, we're going with Tampa Bay. Nice. To the, win outright. Okay, so we're taking the Lightning money line. Yep. And uh, in baseball, we're going with the Astros over Hutton's Orioles. And I asked Hutton before the, before the show started, I said, how is this Aiken guy as a starter for Baltimore? And Hutton's response was, all of their pitchers are terrible. Yes. So it doesn't matter. So that is why we were going with the Astros. Straight money line wins. Let Tampa me, Bay, Houston Astros, and Belgium over Finland. It's hard for me to bet on the Astros, let but me, I'm a team player. Let me take it a step further. This or Aiken, mm -hmm. he allows over five runs per game per okay. start. So maybe should have gone over. Also, and the Astros hit. Load up. Well, Load up. and um, it pains me, Paul to go against my gut instinct of taking the tie the draw. Yeah. in uh, the draw in soccer because I didn't do that with what you and I both thought England would beat Scotland, and it was a scoreless draw. Did you and see it was the goal they missed? 475 were the odds on the draw, and everything, in my, even with Belgium-Finland, everything is telling me take the draw, take the draw, because it's like plus 670 you could on take, the draw. You could take both. It is a three-leg parlay. You need to get on this uh, quickly because – Belgium actually will play at 2 o'clock Central Time. Yeah, yeah. you so got an hour Belgium, and 10 minutes. Houston Astros money line, Tampa Bay Lightning money line. Did you see tonight. the highlights of that England game? No, I did not. England hit a post about yeah, 11 I, minutes in. I'm sorry that if I didn't so rush to check out a scoreless ties. Uh, <laughs> highlights. Did you see the highlights of that game? <laughs> they, missed, they hit a post one time. They missed winning by this much. Oh, that gosh. But they celebrated, Yeah, I'm no, sure. They didn't celebrate. They celebrate that draw. <laughs> sounds like sounds like Ambien is what that game sounds like. Audible Scoreless Ambien. draw. It was pretty good. Wow. Audible Ambien. You know what happened? We watched the first half not knowing what happened, and then I flipped to the oh. golf, and then Teresa was like, how come we haven't gone back to that soccer game yet? And I didn't want to say because we were going to go. She wanted to see the rest of it, but I was thinking in my head because Chad revealed the result in our text chain. I didn't, sorry, I, I didn't know you were recording <laughs> England-Scotland. Yeah, I record a game a day, and we watch it in the evening. I thoroughly enjoyed the weekend of NASCAR in Nashville whenever I would turn on it. and It was FS1 or, or it was NBC Sports Network to find this. But I like knowing, race fan or not, I like knowing that the track that was built for this weekend is actually hosting not just the Xfinity Series but the Cup race. Reed, first time in how many years that the Cup has actually been raced here in Music City. 30 years? 1984. 1984. Wow. 37 years. And it's the first time that the NASCAR series in any facet has been here in a decade. And Dover Motorsports, they own Nashville Super Speedway. 
they have two races in Dover. They took one of those races and moved it to the Nashville Super Speedway. That's why Nashville is able to host it. And look, it was a massive failure on the Speedway's part on the check-in and the parking and the traffic. And the concessions, Sunday, apparently. On Sunday. But weekend, weekend as a whole, crowd on, on TV was phenomenal. And look, I, Kyle Busch uh, fooled us all. He wins, grabs the checker flag on, on Saturday, says everybody's taking home a piece of the guitar. Everyone's thinking, okay, he broke the guitar, the trophy last time. He's going to do it again. He fakes the smash and then picks it up and poses for a photo with it this time. It was great. Um, he shows up and wins, and then Kyle Larson has won now three or four races in a row uh, for NASCAR. He, he wins the checker flag yesterday uh, and won in them easily. He won by like five seconds. It was a he, No one was coming close to passing him in that race. Why is a place that is in the middle of nowhere, which is designed to, uh, uh, to, for access, hard to access? Hey, David, you're most familiar with this, and you, you, you were sending, and, and I know that the ticket swiping thing was a fiasco, but people were tweeting that there were two hours in traffic to get to this place for 40,000 person attendance, which is not an outrageous no. number. No. And it's in the middle of nowhere. How could it be this logistically bungled? I think part of the reason is because I don't know if they ever had a crowd that size ever at the racetrack. I'm sure there were sold out Bush races, Xfinity races back in the day. The Indy race may have come close to selling out, but they've never had that many people, especially on a Sunday with the cup crowd. They've never had that many people trying to get in and out of there, but it was built for access. It was built where it was because you could build the roads four, five, six lanes wide to get in and out of there. Why that was a problem, I don't know. I think it's just because there's no been no one managing that facility for 10 years, really, so they didn't realize it. But I, as soon as they said that all tickets were gonna be mobile, I knew that in Gladeville, in the middle of unincorporated Wilson County, you were gonna have a problem with 40, 50, and 60-year-old men trying to get their mobile tickets on their phones when 40 other thousand people are trying to do the same exact thing. And when they banned the coolers, that was the big that was the yeah. big scandal of the weekend, banning coolers and Nashville Super Speedway when they let in just about every other single NASCAR track. That's perfectly fine. I understand how you're going to make your money at that track. We had the vice president on, and he told us, we make money in concessions. We just marketed it's a movie theater. Sit. That's exactly yeah. what it is. So, But if you're going to do that, you can't run out of water on a day where it's 90 degrees outside. And you can't run out of food. If you're going to force people to buy the food there, you can't do it. It was a success from a television standpoint, and it shows what this market can do when it comes to NASCAR. But Dover, again, failing, failing miserably. This is one of the reasons this race went away partly because of the racing. The racing was a little bit better this weekend, except on Sunday, you, to, I don't think anyone, NASCAR is a Kyle Larson problem right now. Yeah. The one guy that you tried to excommunicate and stop yep. back and dominate. And he's winning. And there's nothing that you can do to stop him. The racing was better in the back of the field, but I want to see races for the lead. I get to all, I say all this saying this, fairgrounds. 
the Nashville Fairgrounds needs to happen yesterday. For everyone in the city of Nashville who is standing in the way of it, for everyone in those neighborhoods who doesn't want it, I don't care anymore. Look at what happened. Look at the tax impact that had just happened in Wilson County over the weekend. We need that in Davidson County. Stop fooling around, get off your butts, and make it happen. Well said, Reed. Reed. And um, I am someone who lives in Wilson County, so I will take that tax, tax benefit of the event being there. Um, my take, just watching on television, it's difficult to make Nashville look uncool. And uh, Nashville looked very cool, even if it was in Glayville in Wilson County, because you had Brad Paisley in the pre-race mm -hmm. with Dale Jr. You had Alvin Kamara there uh, accepting some sort of ambassador job with NASCAR. Yeah, he's he's a part of their 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 pitch to get young uh, get a younger audience. Well, non-traditional. I think he said, you know, I, I'm here to sell the non-traditional yep. NASCAR. He's a fan of NASCAR mm -hmm. and selling other people on the sport. Um, I saw his hit with News Channel 5 with, with you, Hutton. It was really funny. He said, I've got a key card and everything. <laughs> he had his little <laughs> name tag on. Um, I thought it looked really cool. The, the, st the grandstand packed. The event itself looked neat. It, I thought the stars coming out to support it, it was a good look. So I mean, all, in all, was, all in all, it's a success. What was Pitbull doing there? But I also think Hutton and, and Reed can speak to this also. How much cooler would it look if it was you're going up on the overhead shot from the Skyline. blimp and, and the you're right there, there downtown. Yeah. You know, you're right. You're in the fairgrounds, but you're overlooking the Nashville skyline right there if that track was but at the fairgrounds. It, it, the, the, the one area that they've got to get right, because this is, what, a three- or four-year partnership or an agreement with the with the circuit? Like they're, they'll be back next year. That that whole traffic deal, I mean, I can, I can tell you without even knowing, I can tell you that the track has been put on notice to get it fixed next year. by the time this rolls around next year. Because this affected not just those that were in attendance, this affected viewership. They delayed. They, they called NBC and delayed the start of the race. They tried to delay it longer, but NBC said, you can have 10 minutes. We will push this back 10 minutes because we have an NHL game tonight that we are not going to bypass. So we're going to get to that game. You can have 10 extra minutes. They delayed the start of the race by 10 minutes in order to allow more fans the opportunity to get into the racetrack to, get, to find their seat. That, that will not happen again. It's very rare that you see the television provider, the rights holder, and the organization all work together to move back the start time. And yeah. we saw that yesterday well, because so of the bad. traffic deal. It was so bad, one of the driver's wives, they couldn't get her directed on how to get into the infield, to get into the track, to get to her husband. That's how bad the management was outside of that racetrack yesterday. They could not give her directions or apparently an escort to get her through the tunnel into the track to where she needed it. And the 10 minutes on the TV end is huge. 10 Massive. minutes if you're sitting in your car on 840 is nothing. Right. Right. So you didn't do anything really to help the, the people uh, unless you were fifth in line. You know, at that moment it helped you. So, you know, I understand. I wouldn't move it if I'm TV either. But well, they, they, they got to fix it for the fame. They tried to move it longer. Yeah. I mean, they wanted to push it back, and, and I'm sure NBC could only allocate 10 yeah. minutes for them. So they took what they had. Yeah, understandably. I mean, you, you don't build your TV schedule right. with wiggle room. Right. Uh, and they, it's already built in with a, little, a, a small bit, right, of run over time in case you need the shootout or you need the, the overtime laps or whatever it, it might good, be. Good they had Brad Paisley there to help fill time for them in the, the pre-race run-up to everything. But top to bottom, it was, uh, it was a fun weekend for Nashville. 
Uh, sports viewing was great with the U.S. Open, coupled with everything going on with NASCAR, coupled with the College World Series. It's a lot going uh, on. NBA playoffs going on and some compelling games on Saturday. There was a lot going on, and it was fun. It was a fun sports weekend and a fun show to recap today. Back at it tomorrow, we'll hit a lot more of the local topics during the Tennessee Power Hour, including more on the Tennessee Titans. Uh, some national headlines as well. We'll continue to follow the Supreme Court's ruling for the NCAA on what is allowed for student athletes in pay to play, as long as it ties back to quote unquote education. What all does that mean? There's a lot to unpack with that ruling and some of the uh, stances that uh, those are making both on Capitol Hill and from the NCAA, which I believe will be meeting about this tomorrow and Wednesday. So we'll be giving a reaction to that as well right here on Outkick 360. Go subscribe to the YouTube channel. And by subscribing to the YouTube channel, you automatically enter yourself to win the Sony and Hertz Audison prize pack. Uh, it is, uh, you see it right there on the screen, but it's a, it's a full car stereo system valued at over $2,500. You subscribe to the Outkick 360 YouTube channel, hit the alert button so you know we go live each and every day at noon Eastern. You get the alerts and you'll automatically be entered to win. If you're already subscribed, you're already entered to win. We appreciate you. We'll catch you on Tuesday's edition. Don't block the box. Be sure to lock the locks. Hey, it's Jonathan Hutton. Thanks for listening to Outkick 360. Be sure to subscribe to the show to have the latest podcast delivered to you each and every day. And give us five stars. It helps us grow our network and provide you with more great podcasts like this one.